Welcome to another episode of our podcast, Let's Talk Tri-Delta. Thanks for joining us. I'm Karen White, Tri-Delta CEO and Editor-in-Chief of the award-winning Trident Magazine. We are now several weeks into sheltering in place, staying home, and dealing with the circumstances surrounding COVID-19. As Tridelta continues to support our members, all of you out there, we've launched a new series called Three for You. We're taking some of the most important questions you have and the topics you want to hear about, and we're finding Tridelta experts to share their top three tips and best practices just for you. Now, as many of you know, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Tridelta has made many strides in promoting mental health and wellness among our members. Most recently, just last year, when we launched the Behind Happy Faces program, that's a mental health program for our collegiate members, thanks to the generous donors of Tridelta's foundation that were able to offer that. Now, mental health has been a focus of many during COVID-19, and we've sought out some of our sisters and friends in the mental health profession to share their three-for-you thoughts. One area we want to focus on within this episode is relationships and navigating a global health pandemic with a partner. Joining us today is Liz Crawley, Tridelta's Curriculum and Resource Development Manager at our executive office. Liz is one of our Panhellenic sisters. She's a member and a legacy of Kappa Alpha Theta. She's also a graduate of Purdue University and Indiana University, where she earned her master's degree in higher education student affairs. She spent 13 years working on a college campus in a variety of capacities, fraternity and sorority life, student conduct, bystander intervention training, and the Center for Students in Recovery. She has a master's degree from the University of Maryland in College Park in couples and family therapy. She also received the Jennifer Becker Cardwell Award for Outstanding Contributions to the Couple and Family Therapy Program there. She has practiced individual couples and family therapy in the UMD Center for Healthy Families and after graduation in private practice. So Liz is a licensed graduate marriage and family therapist in in Maryland. She still has that licensure in Maryland. She's not practicing in Maryland or here in Texas, but she is definitely an expert um, that is sought out by our staff on on the regular, including me. So Liz, welcome. Thanks, Karen. I'm really excited to be here. It's truly an honor to be asked to share some tips with all of you about relationships. Not always the easiest topic to talk about, (laughs) but certainly a fun one when you get down to it. Well, we are very lucky to have you as part of our member experience team at Tri-Delta. The the breadth of experience that you bring to our team is just incredible. And as you said, right, handling relationships at any time can be a challenge, but during a pandemic, many of us are in uncharted territory. So you're bringing us some practical advice for us. So how do you want to start this off today? So before I get started, I really want to make sure to remind everyone that not everyone is fortunate enough to be in a healthy relationship or environment. Some relationships might have already taken a turn for the worse prior to the pandemic and others might have just started off. Regardless, I think it's important to remind people that it's a difficult time for all of us. Life is different. It's uncertain. It's changing. And as you probably know, people all respond to change very differently, right? And so because that it's going to be challenging and difficult for individuals in a healthy, positive relationship and potentially intensify 
issues and negativity in other relationships. And so I want to make sure that people understand that my tips today aren't going to solve deep-rooted relationship issues and definitely shouldn't take the place of seeking professional help. One thing I want to make sure people understand is a lot of states are actually changing their teletherapy policies in order to make therapy available to those who are fortunate enough to have access to technology. So I really encourage individuals to look at what their states, even their insurance companies are doing to adjust for putting that teletherapy in place. That is so important for our listeners to know and to understand a great way to start our conversation today, Liz. And it's important to understand, right, that there will be hurdles as you work through your, through your relationships at, at this time. Yeah. And man, is this pandemic ever the biggest hurdle that we have ever maybe seen before, right? So sure. I think it's important to kind of hold that positive hope for couples and families and remind them that they already have strategies in place to clear this hurdle. They might have to try new strategies and do new things and put in a little bit of work in order to clear this new hurdle that they're experiencing. But nonetheless, it's important to remember that it can be cleared and they just need to use the muscles the skills that they already have and potentially develop some new ones to clear the hurdle. And so when I was thinking about what to talk about today, I had so many different ideas. And when I really came down to it, I came up with three things that I really think are going to be helpful, not only right now during the pandemic, but also I think helpful afterwards. Um, And when we get into it, you might think, wow, these seem really basic and easy and why are these the things that I'm talking about? But I promise you, they're really hard to put into practice and oftentimes not even practiced at all. And so they are really fundamental, but a lot harder to do than you might actually think. That is understandable, right? So let's let's jump in. The first thing that you are advising folks is to recognize your thoughts and be clear on what you can and can't control. So recognizing isn't a really important tool. So for me, the first step during this pandemic is recognizing what you can and can't control, right? Oftentimes we try to control things that we can't. I'm an anxious person and I like to try to control as many things that I can and it doesn't always work out for me. And so reminding myself, right, and for all of you too, is that you're only one part of the relationship equation and it's the only, and you are the only part that you can control. So reminding yourself, you can't control how your partner responds, how they feel, what needs they have, or what boundaries that they set. Um, so you really need to think about your part, which is you and what you can control, right? And so the first part for me in that what I can control is thinking about my thoughts. And so really paying attention to what I'm thinking because your thoughts influence how you feel and how you feel influences how you behave. Ironically, they kind of can form a triangle like a delta thoughts and behaviors, right? (laughs) And so those three things are connected and impact one another, right? And so being able to recognize those connections allows you an opportunity to figure out a different way to think about something or a different thought in general. And then that in turn can change how you feel, which then hopefully will then change how you'll behave. One of the things that I find really easy to help figure out what your kind of thoughts are is writing them down. And I really mean writing them down or, or typing them in your phone. Um, and so try logging your thoughts for you know a day, a week, totally up to the individual. I've actually done this activity before um, a long time ago. And I got halfway through a day and was like, whoa, I cannot believe the things that I am telling myself. But yeah a lot of sense as to why I was feeling the way I was feeling because I saw those thoughts on the piece of paper. 
And so again, writing those down so you can see, man, what what are I what am I saying to myself about myself, about my daily life, about my job or lack of a job, my family, right? Everything, your partner, really get into what thoughts you're telling yourself and then maybe start to think about what are those thoughts making you feel? Um, and can you see that influence between those two things? And if you are, are you able to reframe that initial thought that might be a little bit more negative to make it positive? It's important to also know this is, a, again, a, sounds pretty easy to do, but it, it takes a while to kind of put it into practice. So if you don't get it at first, that's totally okay. You can keep practicing, right? This is not something that, oh, I didn't do it. I can't do it. It's going to take time and practice to really. That's helpful for us, right? Because oh, I think sure. we can get this wrong or, or just fail to, to do it. The, the reframing part, right, is yeah. probably the most challenging. So thank you for giving us permission to fail and try again. Yes, no, for sure. I, and like I said, I, I've done this activity before and it took me a solid week before I could really hear what I was saying to myself. And it took me easily a week or two to really be able to reframe or reshift what I was saying. So yeah, evermore, now is the time to give yourself grace and your partner grace with what's going on, right? <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So the other piece of this is right to maybe kind of have that, oh, I can see my thoughts and I'm able to reframe them is taking that a step farther, right? Identifying your feelings. If you don't know what you're feeling, um, I really encourage Googling a feeling wheel. Those really are great and can break down what different emotions are. Uh, and then looking at what are those behaviors and really trying to examine the combination of those three things and what's going on for you to be able to, to kind of make that, that shift. That's tremendous. Yeah. And with that feelings piece, it kind of leads into my next piece of recognizing that I like to talk about, which is what I like to call shiny objects. Ah, yeah. <laughs> tell us about shiny objects. <laughs> and who doesn't love a shiny object? I love a good shiny object. Same. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, in this situation, shiny object is, might not be the best thing to pay attention to. So what I mean by a shiny object is the behavior or words that are being used to hide or mask the real issues, feelings, or thoughts. So as you might know or um, have experienced, right, we take things out on those that are around us and that we care about. So like stress and frustration and sadness because we have this relationship with them. We feel comfortable. It's easy for us to kind of take it out on them. We do that in place of sharing our inner thoughts and feelings and being vulnerable and having a direct conversation. Instead, we decide to yell about spilled milk or complain about how a closet is organized. Right. And people in the moment are thinking, what the heck is going on? Why are we talking about spilled milk and organizing a closet? And then react to that instead of really trying to figure out wait, this can't be what's actually going on right now. <laughs> so many of these arguments have we all been in before. Right. And, and so those are those shiny objects, right? Really easy to catch a glimmer of that shiny object and stick to that instead of staying calm in the moment and thinking to yourself, wait a second, in the context of what's going on, this doesn't make any sense. Like what is actually going on, right? And having that conversation and asking your partner, why are we talking about spilled milk when we were just talking about, you know, the color of the rug? Like this makes no sense. <laughs> yes. I have a, a personal example of something that happened recently for me to help kind of explain a little bit more in case people really don't understand the shiny object piece. 
my husband and I decided to get a new puppy. Um, and so (laughs) he is super cute. Sometimes I think it might not have been the best COVID-19 decision, but four weeks in and it is what it is. We can't take him back. And so I am stuck at home with the dog all day alone. My husband is still going to work and I'm extreme extrovert. So for me being home isolated with a dog is not filling up my bucket. And so it's really frustrating for me to, and, and again, I feel stuck too, to be in the situation. I'm in. And so I do the dog duty all day. And my husband, when he gets home is kind of supposed to switch roles and he takes over with the puppy. The dog indicated that he needed to go outside and my husband was not paying attention. And so I obviously thought that the dog needed to go to the bathroom. And I looked at my husband and I said, okay, Mattis, I'll take you outside since your dad's a bum and not taking you out. And gave you <laughs> annoyed look. And my husband looked at me like, did you really just say that to me? And I sure did. And then marched the dog outside frustrated. What the heck? <laughs> so he totally was caught off guard and I was frustrated. But again, in this situation, that was my shiny object, right? Taking out the, taking out the fact that I was feeling stuck and not liking the situation that I am on the fact that he didn't take the dog out because in the grand scheme of things, that's really small, right? Right. And he probably was tired from working all day and doing night duty with the dog. Right. Right. So there was a lot more that was going on for me. And so it took until the next morning to actually recognize that that was what had happened. And so for me, you know, it was really important to kind of reconnect with him. So I sent him a text message right away saying, Hey, just want to let you know, I know I called you a bum. I was really frustrated last night about not taking the dog out, but in all actuality, it's just, I'm really frustrated with the situation that I'm in and has nothing to do with that. And so I'm really sorry for taking it out on you. He appreciated that and totally understood, but I think it's important to kind of note that making an attempt to repair your relationship and reconnect with your partner is so important. So I did it in the text message. And then when he came home later that day, I did it again in person because I really wanted him to understand that I did really feel bad. And that was on me for not sharing my real feelings and instead giving him a shiny object that he somewhat fell for. He didn't say anything back to me. He just gave me a really credulous look, but he still kind of you know, fell for that shiny object. So. Okay, so this is great. You are a licensed graduate marriage and family therapist, and you too can falter at any time. This is so, I think our, our listeners are really going to resonate with this and feel good that, you know, they're going to make mistakes along this path and that you've got a, a it's recoverable right? But you've got to, you've got to own it um, and go back and, and remedy the situation as quickly as possible. Exactly. None of us are perfect, right? So we're, we're always going to make a mistake at some point along the way. And, and again, that reconnecting piece and making an attempt to come back together is really so important. So this shiny object thing is a good thing to think about to to reflect upon and think about have you had a disagreement or or an awkward situation with your partner and thinking about what was driving your actions or words, or maybe it was your partner and thinking about what was driving theirs. And again, were you caught up with those shiny objects? Could there have been alternative reasons for the actions that kind of played out? And do you truly know the root of your partner's actions or words? So, right, did you actually directly ask them what's going on? And obviously, maybe not quite as directly as that, but in a nice way, attempting to say, it seems like things might be a little bit off 
Do you want to tell me a little bit more about what's going on? But yeah, really taking this into consideration about are you falling for a shiny object in the moment? Um, and how do you kind of get around that? That is great advice. Great advice. Okay, so your next topic, not too far off from this topic, is around communicating, right? And communicating with intentionality. You want to say more about that? Yeah, definitely. So, right, I touched a little bit upon communicating with the noticing the shiny objects and uncovering the root issue. But like you said, I really want to talk about being intentional about the topics that we communicate. So uh, this pandemic really has caused a lot of uncertainty and hardship, fear, anxiety, depression, frustration, so many things on this gamut of emotions um, and experiences. And so people are losing their jobs, losing loved ones, not being able to connect with one another, having issues even accessing their basic needs. I was close to running out of toilet paper a couple of weeks ago. Like it's a right. real situation going right. on right Um, And so the hard part about this too is that many of these things are ambiguous and extra tough to deal with and can have lingering impacts on your life, right? And so I think that's what makes it even more complex or all those added layers to it. And I think because of that, couples might not be prepared to discuss these things or communicate about these things or know how to say what they need to help, what they need help-wise from their partner. I think some of it is that they might not normally talk about it for other couples. They aren't used to being vulnerable and it might be that they need to listen and hear each other's points and perspectives in order to best move forward. And so I love a good metaphor. And for me, a good metaphor for this topic is a dinner table. Ah, Okay. Tell us about the dinner table. Yeah. So when you set it, a dinner table, right? You put out all the utensils that you need for the meal. You put out all the dishes that you need, glasses that you need. You arrange the seating and settings so everyone can see and connect with one another and are comfortable. And you might even throw in a couple of decorations, candles, you know, whatever you want to do to jazz that table up. But what I really wonder is, did you invite your partner to the table? How are you setting the dinner table when you communicate with your partner? Are you creating a space that's inviting and comfortable? And does your table really allow the chance to see one another and connect? Did you actually put everything out on the table that needs to be there? What I mean is, are you putting out all the dishes and utensils, aka are you communicating about all the necessary topics and points that are important and impacting you? Or are you withholding information or ignoring topics? Um, And are you both on the same page about being prepared and intentional about the fact that you're going to be eating dinner and coming to the dinner table? Did you set the menu? And by menu, I mean, have you set communication agreements? Like, are are you going to agree you're not going to yell at each other, make passive remarks, and then not get frustrated if your partner doesn't want to have a conversation about the moment, right? Right. For me, I imagine a lot of us, right, either aren't setting the menu, so we're not setting those agreements, so we're we're not walking to the table feeling comfortable like we know what's coming, you know, what's going to be in the meal. Or not putting out all the dishes and utensils that we need. So, for example, withholding a cup or a spoon while asking our partners to eat soup. Um, (laughs) I don't know you, but if you've ever gone to a restaurant and you're missing a utensil that you need, you're kind of annoyed. Like, why am I missing a spoon when I have soup? Like, I can't eat. (laughs) Yes. 
your partner's probably feeling that that same way. And so certainly they can work their way around it, right? Like they could pick up the bowl and sip it. But by doing that, definitely could be messy, right? And they could spill or eat it too fast that they don't really enjoy the flavor. So if you think about it, if your partner actually had the spoon, they could enjoy the soup, right? In some cases, not create a mess. We know some people still might make a mess, even with the spoon, that's okay. Um, but they definitely wouldn't be frustrated or annoyed anymore. Um, and you know what? You might even be surprised that they might even decide to engage in conversation about the flavors in the soup, maybe provide compliments on all the work that went into making the soup. And if the you know cook or chef wants to ask for suggestions for additional flavors, they might even be able to provide some suggestions for additional flavors to make the soup better. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So right now is the time to put everything on the table and to communicate. So thinking of some topics that are ones that would be good to intentionally communicate now during COVID-19 are things like risk-taking, finances, grief, loss, trauma, anxiety, depression, loneliness, crisis, what you're experiencing and what you need. A lot of those are topics I think people are, again, haven't thought about talking about or haven't talked about. Uh, and forgetting the spoon or not sharing your underlying thoughts or feelings won't help with the dinner experience. Um, it makes it more complicated and frustrated. And if everything is on the table, it's easier to be able to help one another and give one another grace, compassion, forgiveness, and something else needed. And so I think that's that key piece is not forgetting that when you put it all out there, it's easier to be able to help one another. And hear where they're coming from, give that compassion, that grace, that forgiveness, that especially right now when there's lots of frustration to go on is needed. So the other thing is you're, as you're building this metaphor, you remind people that dinner served in courses, right? There's a lot of different components to a dinner, right? So to maybe kind of think your way through the meal, if you will. Yeah, exactly. And the nice thing about having so many different pieces and parts of the meal is if you do forget a spoon, utensil, dish, whatever it may be, there's still time for you to put it back on the table. And that's okay, right? And so I think sometimes we often think, well, I've missed my opportunity. You can't talk about it. So there's a lot of courses in a meal. So take your time and you can insert it in hopefully at another part of it. And I think another piece that I think is really important with this dinner metaphor is reminding everybody how important listening is in communication. So I think in my dinner metaphor, listening is like the condiments and spices that you've used in your dinner, right? They're essential to bringing the meal together. And without it, your food would be bland and dry. So so important to listen and hear what your partner is saying to you so your partner feels heard because that feeling heard really helps a person feel connected and again when we can't really connect with a lot of people that connection piece is ever more important right now so last part of my dinner metaphor to wrap it up is talking about dessert which dessert is my favorite part of the meal absolutely mine too right <laughs> yep they start with dessert nothing wrong with that um so and, and what i mean by the dessert right the sweet spot of communicate from for communicating excuse me is connection and intimacy what i mean is instead of baking your usual funfetti cupcakes you might need to make them bars or eat mint chocolate chip ice cream desserts will be different during the pandemic that's okay. So date night intimacy can still occur. It just might not happen at the time they usually did or the way that it usually did. So couples are going to 
to be flexible and reinvent ways that they connect and be intimate. And intimacy is built over time. So couple can capitalize on some of the new time they have available due to the virus. And I think it's really important to also touch on when I think a lot of people, when they think of intimacy, they think of only the physical intimacy piece of it. And I think even more so now, while yeah, that's still important, is that other forms of intimacy are even more important now in, in the current state that we're in. And so a couple that I think are really relevant are experiential intimacy. So what bonding and connecting through doing an activity together and emotionally, which is right, feeling safe um, and able to share feelings with one another. So thinking about date night, it might now be um, teaching somebody how to do something like to change a tire um, or make a bed or competing in a board game or having a picnic on your balcony. So really trying to kind of reinvent how you do that with the kind of parameters that you have. And I think most importantly, right, is talking about the ingredients that you have to brainstorm what dessert you can actually create. And what I mean by that is really being intentional about what does quality time look like for each of you and brainstorm ways to be able to connect. I joke, if kitchen sink cookies can be a thing, then you can definitely come up with something to connect with one another. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) I love it. Some couples, right, it might just be that they have a difficulty finding a recipe or ingredients for the dessert, um, or even maybe finding time to make the dessert. But I think regardless of the issue, um, it's important that to remember that being vulnerable and sharing something with someone who in turn listens and let you know they are heard creates emotional intimacy, that sweet spot for your relationship. And so... Um, A great recipe that I um, would encourage people to start with or to look at is some of the work done by Dr. John and Dr. Julie Gottman. They're a couple therapists that I really appreciate their work and have used a lot of their methods in in my work. And they have a lot of resources couples can use. And one that I want to share with you today is a free app called Gottman Card Decks. And it includes 14 different decks of card, like not cards, but virtual cards of questions that couples can utilize on a variety of different topics. So some of the topics are expressing needs, great listening, rituals of communication, and open-ended questions. And so this is a great thing to do with your partner um, and engage in these different topics with different questions. That is awesome. A free app, Gottman Card Decks. That's great, Liz. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so yeah. much. So, so your, your, third, um, your third tip insight here is around change and your need to change and, invol- and evolve your response to your partner and to the crisis. So change is ever evolving, just like all of us are, right? Every day we're growing and changing um, and we're doing this in our relationships. And so again, talking about that control piece, couples can't control when the pandemic is going to end or when it's going to change, but they can change how they respond to the crisis and the ways they treat one another, right? So those first two tips kind of address both of those pieces, responding, how they respond to it. So what are their thoughts around it? Which would change that response and right. Creating that intentional communication to build intimacy, right. That way that you're treating one another and putting everything out on the table. So the important thing for me when thinking about change is the word impermanence. And I really like the word impermanence. It's taken me a really long time to wrap my head around it. And I, again, Mm -hmm. another point that I still struggle with today sometimes. So um, according to Miriam Webster, and permanence means a quality or state of being impermanent and impermanent means not permanent, right? And so I think 
for some couples, this topic is just, it's in their face. It's knocking on their door um, in the form of losing a job or a member passing away or their, their relationships, you know, fading. And so they're living with their careers and relationships that aren't permanent. And that's a scary thing. However, I think if we think about impermanence and remind ourselves that this current state is not permanent, it will help us deal with what's going on. Because reminding ourselves that it will change it is a helpful kind of perspective and reminder that what feels permanent is actually not going to be permanent. And it's super easy to get bogged down into negative thoughts and frustrations of the pandemic resulting in feeling hopeless and convincing yourself it's not going to end. Um, and when you kind of get in what I usually like to call hamster wheel, um, yeah. you're, when you're a hamster wheel, you, yeah. right, you're thinking about all the things that you don't like and how you can't help or things that you can't fix. And you just keep building on that hamster wheel and you get more frustrated and disappointed. You kind of get in this tunnel vision of negativity. But what I want you to do if you recognize that you're in this tunnel is stop for a moment. Like seriously, take a moment. What do all tunnels have? An entrance and an exit, right? So, so, right. And so often we forget about that. When you think about it, you're in that tunnel vision. You're like, oh my gosh, the tunnels just keep going. I am never going to get out of here, right? But you will because every tunnel has an entrance and it has an exit. So why are we focusing on the tunnel itself and not reminding ourselves that that entrance and exit exists um, and that things are going to change, right? And so when we get to this place of accepting impermanence, we start to become more present and able to embrace new daily challenges. And we become better able to give ourselves a little leeway and even hopefully give our partners a little leeway too, right? Yeah. So when we are able to kind of be um, recognizing the present impact this pandemic is having on our relationship and understand that that impact will end or change, that really helps us be able to think about how we can move forward. Um, it also allows us to better be able to discuss what our current state is or our current issues are with our partners so that we can kind of create a shared meaning and create those steps to move forward and open that door for more compassion and forgiveness um, to your partner. I think for me, this impermanence piece, impermanence piece is, again, taking a moment to reflect on it. What does it mean? What does it look like for you? And what does accepting impermanence mean? And how is that going to formulate in your life? How can you embrace impermanence in yourself and in your partner? And how do you accept the current state and make changes? So that's a dialectic. I love dialectics. Um, and so it's, it's a both and. And so often yeah. we get stuck their oars. How do we wrap our heads around accepting this current state and make changes, right? And, and be able to adapt and make the current state better. And how can you embrace both acceptance and change, like I'm saying, at the same time? Because I think when you're able to do that, it really puts things into perspective and allows you the space to say, man, I'm going to accept this. I'm going to accept this current state and know that I want it to be better. And that's okay to have both. It's not saying one's better than the other. It's saying that there's a space for both of those things to exist. And let's embrace those and see both of those and move forward instead of kind of getting stuck in the, I got to put out better or pick one or the other. It's saying, no, take both of those and use it to your advantage to make things better. 
And to be able to do that with a partner, someone that you care so deeply about, you've really given us, no pun intended here, but a recipe for success, (laughs) Um, (laughs) as well as a way out of the tunnel. This is great, Liz. This has been amazing information, such strong metaphors to really help us wrap our minds around this and some solid advice. Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm so grateful for TriDelta for doing everything that you all are doing and putting in a kind of priority on mental health and providing resources to individuals, couples and families during this pandemic. I think it's going to you know, make huge strides for people in their everyday life. Thank you. And I know um, our listeners join me in, in sending a big thank you to Liz Crawley for joining us today. And Focusing on our relationships during this crisis, we certainly hope all of our members and families remain safe during this pandemic and that you're following important guidelines regarding COVID-19. There are so many Tri-Deltas serving on the front lines of this crisis in healthcare, law enforcement, and other areas. Our thoughts and Delta love go out to them, to you, as you continue to serve unselfishly during this time. If you like this three for you experience and topic, you can find more at uh, tridelta.org backslash three for you. And if there are additional topics you'd like to hear about, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at tridelta.org. And please like, subscribe, and rate this podcast. Certainly in Tridelta, we love three stars, but on our podcast, we like five star ratings. So, just something to think about. Thank you, all of you, for talking Tri Delta with us. Stay safe. Join us next time and bring you 